Good morning and welcome to Tuesday morning, November the 8th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we continue year C, proper week 28, which is the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Tuesday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the Psalm passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. And this week of the church's calendar year, and so we find ourselves in a kingly psalm, Psalm 90. So let me read that passage, write a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the seed resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of God for us. Psalm 98 is a fascinating psalm because of how it connects with other psalms around it. There's many parallels to Psalm 96 and even Psalm 93. And there's some peculiar phrases in this psalm that are only located in one of the psalms. So um, when we take a look at um, it's the very end in verses 7 through 9, it says, uh, when it talks, the psalmist says, the world and all who live in it. It's only lo- located one other time in uh, Psalm 24, verse 1. And so there's some new themes here uh, at the very end when it talks about God being a king who exercises justice. Um, in Psalm 98, that justice is um, enacted with equity in mind. Um, in other Psalms, uh, God's judging is the peoples of the earth in truth or in faithfulness. And so you get this interesting, it's not a paradox, it's not odds with one another, but just another side of the coin of God's justice. God, when he judges, God judges in truth and faithfulness to things he's established and the things that he said he's going to do. But he also judges with equity. Uh, he considers in any ways all people and he judges uh, not out of appropriation to what is there, but with the equity uh, that uh, is in case-by-case basis. And so you get this interesting psalm. But by pushing back from it, this whole genre of a kingly psalm is important. We know that uh, the New Testament is making a point of calling Jesus king. Uh, N.T. Wright and others have shown how the Gospels sketch this grand idea that what we see in the arrival of Jesus is God assuming kingship over Israel. We can start in Psalm 2. We can go to Psalm 78 and here in uh, Psalm 98 and 96 and other kingly psalms. And we see that God has interest in the governing of the earth. God wants to see the nations rule with justice 
and fairness. And so the best way to do that in God's own mind is to install God's own solution for someone to control the world. And so that is at the heart of the message that Jesus preached. The very first sermon that he ever preached was that the kingdom of God was arriving and was at hand. And people needed to repent and believe that good news. The idea of kingdom of God is maybe a foreign concept to us a little bit. We think of kings and kingdoms. We think of like, I don't know, Camelot and, you know, castles and, you know, maybe some royalty that seems detached from uh, human experience in life and just has you know, subjects people under their reign and rule. Um, but uh, God wants to do it differently. Um, what we see in the face of Jesus is a humble king. And in a mystery, what the Gospels tell us is that Jesus is even reigning from his cross. And so in a great display of humility um, and even uh, degradation, God is reigning still. God is in charge and God is executing forgiveness and he's reconciling people. So this is what it's like when God is in charge. It's uh, it's fueled by this self-giving and sacrificial love. That is how the world is changed, and that is how the world is run. And so this is good news, and so Psalm 98 has all these echoes within it, calling all creation to worship and to bring out instruments and to make music with glad and sincere hearts and to uh, talk about the good things that God has done. We see that to even personify some of creation itself, verse 7, let the sea resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it, let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. And so it's almost since that when God is enthroned and God is in charge, that even creation itself will draw our attention. It's like everywhere we go, that's going to be the news story. That's going to be the headline is that God is in charge. Now, this brings us to an interesting place um, as Christian people, and there's been a wide variety of applications to this. Um, this it's not lost on me that this is a midterm election day for the, those of us in the United States, and so people are going to the ballot box, and Christians are going to bring themselves to those ballot boxes, and they're going to seek the wisdom of God and to know how to vote and so on and so forth. But we have to also admit that um, even though we can't remove our faith piece from our voting and from our, our civic duties, and we have to at least acknowledge uh, that there is a, a gravity towards looking at um, politics and those who assume public office to be people who deserve our worship. Uh, we put our hope and we put our trust and uh, the direction of the country that we care about and the lives that we uh, vote to try to put there. And so there is an evergreen issue and it's coming up again and again. It seems to be a bit more clear than it is in maybe previous uh, campaign seasons where people are seeing like all this religious language is uh, cloaked in political platform building. And uh, as Christian people, we just have to give ourselves a gut check. We have to ask ourselves, okay, if things don't go our way in the polls, do I feel like I the ground beneath me is pulled out from under me? Uh, do I feel like I am in free fall? If who I admire and choose to, that I desire to be in political office, if they don't, if they don't get there, uh, will my life fall apart? And I think the opposite is true. If my side wins, uh, do I have this feel a sense of this great moral victory? Like, um, you know, the best thing ever has come around because of what has happened in the polls. And so we have to check ourselves with the rearrange our loves as Augustine encouraged the church um, as the Bishop of Hippo many centuries ago. And even though we desire and we can love many things, all don't 
uh, rank equally on a scale because uh, what we desire is a thing that actually pr- uh, provokes us to do something. And so can we honestly answer the question that the governing vocation of my life is to see the kingdom of God advance, not necessarily any other initiative, right? Because at some point, a political platform is going to come into opposition with Jesus' kingdom, whether we want to go there or not. That simply is the case. Um, I think in our two-party system in America, Jesus is going to be thrown out of both uh, national conventions. Like <laughs> He wouldn't last because his way is different. And we go back to what uh, Jesus and Pilate were arguing about at the end of John. And Jesus says that his kingdom was not from this world. But I love the words of N.T. Wright when he says, even though Jesus' kingdom is not from this world, it is certainly for this world. Uh, the kingdom of God is the solution of all the aches and pains that you and I experience today. And so whoever wins today, like they're going to be uh, able to adjust those, thing, adjust those things at a moderate depth. But the totality of it all is only in the hands of God. And let's just be reminded that he's, he's the one. Jesus is the only one installed as the Messiah of Israel and the world's one true Lord. And we enter into fellowship with him. And one of the great benefits is that we get to participate in the working out of this grand story. And so as we go to the polls today and as we look at our world and say, hey, I want this place to be a better place, we need to check where our desire is. Is our desire to see Jesus's kingdom advance? Because that might come to some different conclusions, even to the political figures that we admire. And so let's just rank our loves. Let's give Jesus priority. And as we do so, all other things fall into place with the wisdom that he provides. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the reminder today that you're in charge and we are not or any other being like us uh, who that we might even admire or ones that we hold in suspicion that they're not in charge, that you're in charge. Uh, Jesus, you're installed as the Messiah of Israel and the world's one true Lord. You're vindicated through your resurrection and you are installed as the anointed one. And so we place our hope ultimately in you today. We think that the psalmist reminds us that you will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. You're going to continue your one unfolding story, that you're not starting a new one and scrapping the old one, but you're conforming things to your original plan. We think that through the slow outworking of that generation after generation, that you've proven to be trustworthy. We think that you do judge the world with truth and with faithfulness, that you also judge it with equity. God, we confess to you that we're not as fair as you are. Uh, we're not as impartial as you are. So this day we vow not to take matters into our own hands, but to seek your wisdom. For you see things as they are, or we see things only as we are. And so as we go from work to school to places today, I pray that you would impress your love upon us, that your love will pour into our hearts so that we can pour it out into the world around us. God, as election returns come in tonight, and as we see uh, the hope rise and fall from many people around us, I pray that your people would be different. I pray that we'd resolve in our hearts to make Christ Jesus as Lord and to allow the rest of life to be dictated by that one confession. So we seek your help today because we stumble and fall many times in this endeavor. But we are so thankful today that we can put our trust in you, 
So may that trust uh, be proven to be solid and may it be helpful. May it be like an anchor that keeps us in place even during turbulent times like these. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.